0: It's time for Forward Nation Radio Now here he is, the host of Forward Nation Radio, David Leventhal Welcome to Forward Nation Radio, I'm David Leventhal We start with a quick follow-up You will recall we talked last time about Senate leader, Republican Senate leader Mitch McConnell, saying that corporations should stay out of politics while they were objecting to Republican efforts to suppress the vote. Understanding the irony of his statement, quickly added, I'm not talking about political contributions. Well, it's been reported in the interim that in 2020 alone, his super PAC accepted a combined half a billion, with a B, dollars from corporations and corporate CEOs. This is a little entertaining in light of, it just reminds me of what I've been talking about in this show and in class for a long time, that Senator McConnell is the guy who, while he was the uh, head of the Republican Senatorial Campaign Committee, in other words, he controlled the slush funds for the Republican Party, it's what brought him prominence, famously wrote a letter to business leaders in the Committee for Economic Development who supported campaign funding reform. He wrote them a letter where he effectively said, political campaign funding is a matter of free speech, and if you don't agree, you should shut the hell up. Yes, Mitch McConnell, principled to the end. Anyway, I start with that in part because it's a wonderful segue to the theme of today's show, which is, in effect, the Pledge of Allegiance. Or more specifically, is there any relevance anymore, not that there ever was, to this document, but particularly the part of one nation under God with liberty and justice for all? Okay, the under God part is obviously ridiculous. It has been for a long time. But one nation, liberty and justice for all? Is it not time to put this shit to bed? Seriously? The idea that we have young impressionable children mouth this blatant bullshit in schools is kind of scary. It's, it's a little a little too much Hitler youth like for me. We are going to look today at the big news of the week or week and a half as it was and how it shows that this idea that we are one nation is kind of ridiculous. In 2021. Interestingly, it was it was said perhaps most succinctly, while also most scarily, by longtime Republican columnist David Brooks from the New York Times, who wrote an article that I found remarkably scary this week. Brooks arguing that Republicans have gone insane and Republican voters have gone insane. As said in the Times, those of us who had hoped America would calm down when we no longer had Donald Trump spewing poison from the Oval Office have been sadly disabused. There are increasing signs that the Trumpian base is radicalizing. I'm going to interrupt the quote for a minute. This is me now. Radicalizing? The Trump base is radicalizing? You know you're in trouble when you start basically saying, Uh Uh-oh, the Nazis are getting a little crazy now, don't you think? Anyway, Brooks continues. Republican politicians who don't toe the Trump line are speaking of death threats and menacing verbal attacks. In other words, Republican voters are threatening with death any Republican politician who is deemed to not be sufficiently, oh, what's the word, pure, Aryan enough for them. In case I haven't made this clear yet, this reminds me of what I've been reading about liberal Democratic Congress people who are receiving so many death threats that they've asked federal authorities to no longer alert them to death threats unless they think that they are imminent. This is crazy. Brooks continues, the GOP response to the Biden agenda has been anemic Because the base doesn't care about mere legislation, just their own cultural standing. Let me translate this sentence from David Brooks very briefly. We have all been wondering, I'm sure I've done this on air, we have all been wondering why there has not been more pushback from the Republican base against Biden's agenda, which so far has been remarkably liberal in most respects. The bottom line is, They don't give a shit about policy. They don't give a shit about agenda. Look, I'm going to add my own. They're too fucking stupid to know anything about policy or agenda. All they care about, and when Brooks talks about cultural standing, wink, nod, nudge, this means bigotry. They're fucking bigots. The only thing they care about at this point is their fucking bigotry. Their white supremacy. This is some scary shit because you don't talk people down from these heights or you don't talk them out of their arms, more likely. Brooks finishes up. It's scary because also not, they're also nihilists who will destroy it all if they see it becoming less white. Uh, that I've translated that last part. That wasn't a quote. But this is the threat here that they believe in nothing other than the fact that they are victims of a world that is aligned against them by people of color and people of different sexual proclivities and whatever else. Backed into a corner, they will be destroying everything rather than letting the other side get anything. So we're going to start with how we're seeing this play out this week by talking about COVID. First, the latest on the numbers. We're approaching 32 million Americans who have been infected about a tenth of the population close to a tenth of the population we have 569,000 who are dead more than well more than half a half a million we reported weeks ago that we'd passed the half a million mark on the positive side we've got 229 million vaccinated. The numbers are still coming down. Hospitalizations in general are coming down. I know where I live in Suffolk County, we've gone from extremely high risk level to just very high risk level. So we're breathing a lot easier, literally speaking. Uh, That 229 million vaccinated it shows that Biden, President Biden, has reached his goal of more than 200 million vaccinations by later than this point. He has reached his goal of all adults being eligible to get vaccinations. That's the good news. Now to the maybe not quite so good news. There are more young people showing up, having to be hospitalized in parts of this country, including Michigan, which has sort of led the, the surge. In outbreaks by relaxing their requirements for people to not murder their fellow citizens. I'm trying to figure out why it is that more young people are showing up in hospitals. Some of it could be to variants that are somewhat more virulent, which is scary for the future. Although it sounds like it is relaxing, uh, it, it is relaxing requirements and just taking it easier. That is leading to more younger people having to be hospitalized. We appear to have hit a wall of resistance now in our vaccinations. The Americans who've been vaccinated so far are the thinking reasonable Americans, i.e. Democrats and such, and not insane Republicans, who want to actually protect themselves, their families and people and their friends and people they know. But now we've reached the point that in order to get up to the numbers we need to achieve herd immunity— We're going to have to start getting people vaccinated who do not want to be vaccinated. And boy, is this not boding well right now. President Biden, again, is trying to figure out how to get people to do it. He's out there asking businesses to please give people a few hours of paid time off so they can get vaccinated. Oh, the scandal. Oh, the scandal. And in fact, worse than that is having the federal government agree to pay businesses for giving their workers some paid time off so people can get vaccinated. I don't see how that's going to work with Trump supporters. As far as I'm concerned, we should be very blatant about it. Uh, we should give people around America choice, either get vaccinated or get your face licked by a whole bunch of people who've attended Trump rallies in the last few months. That's all you get vaccinated or get your fucking face licked and then have to stay home for a few weeks. This will surprise nobody that the New York Times came out with a report this week that showed that refusal to get vaccinated tracks the 2020 presidential election. Again, there's a real shocker that it's Trump supporters who are refusing to get vaccinated. You know, the people who don't believe in science and reality. Um, again, at some point, I can't wait for when blue states like New York, just ban people from red states who don't get vaccinated. Just ban them. And once again, this leads to the divide of America. Gee, I wonder if we could kind of split America into two and we could send all the Trump supporters who don't want to get vaccinated, in fact, all the fucking Trump supporters, Into part of this country and have thinking people who can walk upright in the rest of the country. Oh, gee, wait. Wow. This is part of me re-examining the Lincoln legacy. And once again, maybe instead of fighting a civil war to bring them back, we should have sent them flowers and get well and, and, and good luck wishes. Anyway, more news that's not so great. Emergent Biosolutions, which I've reported on before, having problems with one of their factories. Well, it turns out their factory may have ruined even more vaccinations. And this is a sign of what happens in the world when you've got globalization run out of control like this and you get to make these vaccines in factories in the middle of some third world city like Baltimore, Maryland? Oh, wait. Yeah, turns out just remember that when we talk about not buying drugs made abroad that the factory that may have ruined so many doses of the Johnson & Johnson vaccine was in fact is in fact located in Baltimore. And that brings us to Robert Kramer, the president and CEO of Emergent BioSolutions which appears to have taken billions of dollars of public money and ruined vaccines. Robert Kramer felt the need, facing pressure from the fact that they've screwed up the vaccines, apparently, to write a letter. And in that letter, he notes, as the CEO of a 2,000-plus person Maryland-based company involved in the call, yes, just wave the flag, why don't you, Bobby? Involved in the COVID-19 response, I have a high tolerance for the obligations that come with it, like spending endless hours trying to explain complicated manufacturing processes to reporters who just learned we existed. Way to go, Bobby. Turn it around and attack the reporters who are reporting on the fact that you're screwing up doses of the vaccine. That's really putting your finger on the real problem. You know, and maybe instead of trying to explain complicated manufacturing processes to reporters, maybe you should be trying to explain complicated manufacturing processes to your workers and your managers. Just a thought. Um, Mr. Kramer continues, or battling back the misinformation that is used to find fault with the people who are the spine of our nation's World-leading response to the pandemic. That's another good tactic that we are seeing from Mr. Kramer, which is, again, rally around the flag, rally around your workers. Oh, yes, because the president and CEO of this biomedical company, you can bet that they're treating their workers great because that's just what corporate America does. But you attack me, you're attacking our workers. We're once again, I'm not playing it for you because i played it a couple of times, but the famous, the iconic scene in Animal House. If you're picking on this fraternity, aren't you picking on fraternities in general? If you're picking on fraternities in general, aren't you picking on colleges in general? If you're picking on colleges in general, aren't you picking on the United States of America? I'm not going to sit here and listen to you badmouth the United States of America. I did that pretty well. I, that's probably why I didn't need to play the clip. This, this is where we are. How dare you attack our workers? Here's another scene from Animal House that I should be replaying again, which is you don't get to screw our workers. Only we get to screw our workers. Uh, He goes on talking about the workforce and all that, uh, and sacrifice, yeah, I'm I'm sure you're paying them tremendously, you give them sickly, all that other stuff, whatever. I want to point out that Mr. Kramer, who takes umbrage, received $5.6 million in 2020, a 51% increase over 2019. And I want to point out, by the way, that $5.6 million while you're working is a fraction of what he's actually getting paid, much of which... Is backdated to his retirement, so there's not a big scandal when everybody sees how much it is. He walks away with a huge golden parachute. So five, a 51% raise in 2020. Now, who paid for that raise? You did, U.S. taxpayers who funneled millions and millions of dollars to emergent to to make vaccines, which they're not doing very well. It's a reminder, by the way, we talk about how corporate America works that one could be confident that that 51% increase was not voted upon by the U.S. taxpayers that basically paid for it, nor was it voted upon by the actual owners of Emergent, the shareholders, who in almost every U.S. corporation basically have no say in how much their corporate leaders decide to pay themselves with other people's money, including the shareholders' money. So we'll follow up and try to see If the workers who are so beloved at Emergent, I assume they got a much bigger than a 51% increase in 2020 because after all, that CEO really goes to bat for them. Anyway, that's COVID. We're also seeing the divide in this country, how we are in fact not one nation. By Biden's promises to cut in half U.S. carbon emissions by the end of this decade, by 2030. I can't believe 2030 is the end of this decade. Oh my God, I'm getting old. Biden promises to cut in half U.S. carbon emissions. First of all, I want to point out how unbelievably inspiring this is. This is just wonderful news for people with some concern about the future of the planet and our children and grandchildren. It is a reminder that President Biden has been a moderate person a moderate his entire life but now is president and in a liberal reality this is what happens when you are a moderate person who finds yourself a leader in a liberal reality and someone who is willing to acknowledge reality unlike the opposite political party of course what do i mean by liberal reality This needs to be done, and it should have been done a lot earlier. This is what happens when you let reality, i.e. science, intrude upon your decision making. You actually take steps to prepare this country for the future, and this planet for the future. This is what happens when you have a president who is willing to take personal responsibility, and who in fact presides over a political party at least, of people who also believe in personal responsibility. The the irony here, of course, is that the Republicans are always the one talking about personal responsibility when it comes to giving food to children, starving children, but has never been the party of personal responsibility. Well, this is a president who is finally letting America take responsibility for a handover of a planet that is actually inhabitable to our children. This is what leadership looks like and by leadership Biden made this announcement and and almost before the ink was dry Japan, Canada, Britain, and the European Union Britain and the European Union no longer being one and the same Japan, Canada, Britain, and the European Union have followed suit and have promised to up their targets and and their promises under the Paris Climate Accord that may actually help pro, help us provide a habitable planet to our children and grandchildren. What does this mean? It was summed up. What, what would getting to half of, of carbon emissions by 2030 mean? It means a lot more electric vehicles. Oh, the shame of it. It means nearly all coal fired plants would be shut coal fired plants just spewing out ridiculously dirty pollutants it would mean more forests oh my god will the horrors never cease getting rid of pollution coal more trees more forests also more wind turbines and solar panels it's so okay i guess you could you could argue that people don't like the looks of those so that could be problematic in other words, we'll not only save the planet, we might breathe a little bit better. We might reduce childhood asthma. We might bring up children who could play sports without nebulizers because of the reduced pollution. This this is possibly the feel-good story of the year, abetted by perhaps the, the, the feel-good part of a story of the year that the United Mine Workers Union, has come out in support of transitioning away from coal mines. The United Mine Workers Union with coal miners. This just a few years, remember, after Hillary Clinton lost the presidential election by winning by 3 million votes, but lost the presidential election in part because she had the nerve to say to coal miners, we're going to have to transition away from coal and we're going to have to find you people better jobs. In just in half a decade, we've gone from ending Hillary Clinton's political career to the Mine Workers Union coming out and saying, yeah, we're going to need to move from coal. But, you know, do it, do it nicely. You know, uh, let me think. Somebody said it really well a few years ago about how you should do this. Oh, yeah, Hillary. Let's train our workers for the jobs of the future. Oops, it's a problem in America being ahead of your time. And of course, being ahead of your time means you can read at an eighth grade level, of course, in America. Also, the divide in this country has been highlighted this week, that we are not one nation with the latest mass shootings. And by latest mass shootings, I have to apologize. I have not looked at the news in the last 15 minutes since I started recording the show. So I have probably missed one or two. But one of the latest big ones, of course, was the FedEx facility in Indianapolis, where at least eight were killed by a 19-year-old gunman. Once again, President Biden said on Friday, I have the solemn duty of ordering the flag lowered at half staff at the White House, public buildings and grounds and military posts and embassies just two weeks after I gave the last such order. Evidencing a certain amount of lack of patience with this continuing to happen. He went on, gun violence is an epidemic in America, but we should not accept it. We must act. Yes, we must. Does anybody think the GOP is going to join him in acting? Let's be clear whatever actions the government is taking are not going to include legislation because the Republicans will filibuster any effort to actually save American lives and protect American citizens. Now, there's, there's one part of that that the GOP did agree with, the part on needing to act, because as soon as Biden spoke and this mass shooting occurred, um, the GOP sent out donation requests to NRA members. So, yes, it was time to act for the GOP. It was time to rally around guns and the people who use them to commit mass murder in America. Biden's statement comes less two weeks after he called gun violence an international embarrassment and called on Congress to enact a national red flag law and assault weapons ban. Red flag law being the kind of thing that says, if this person puts up red flags because they seem a threat to, to people around them, let's take their guns away. So, what a, can I give an example of what a red flag might look like? Well, let's put it. This FedEx killer had his shotgun taken away. Because authorities in Indiana said, this fucking guy is dangerous. Yes, so they took his shotgun away, which required him to buy two rifles in the immediate aftermath, which he then used to kill people at his old FedEx facility yes Republicans will support restricting gun violence I guess what's the term when we pry it from their cold dead fingers yeah exactly but of course the big story of the week and the biggest evidence of the divisiveness in this country was in the verdict for Derek Chauvin, the, the police officer who, I can now say, murdered George Floyd. Derek Chauvin was convicted of second and third degree murder and man, second degree manslaughter as well. Uh, you look at pictures of him from the trial and you'd almost, or almost... Feel a little bit of sympathy for him if you didn't think about the fact that he was a murdering white supremacist. Because this has to be, at this point, the most hated man in the United States not named Trump. Now, I understand that in prison he's going to get all kinds of love letters and offers of marriage and probably the offer to do a podcast by all kinds of right-wing Trump-supporting shit. So I guess he'll find his milieu. Good, because I didn't want to feel sorry for him anyway. God knows I don't. But this guy at this point is, is more hated by civilized America than perhaps even GOP congressional child molesters. I think he's more hated than potentially people like Matt Gates. In the aftermath of the verdicts, I, I, it's just just remarkable to sort of, I think, see how people responded. And I, I've obviously I've been speaking in favor of Black Lives Matter since it started. I was speaking in favor of Colin Kaepernick since he started his first protests years ago before he got banned from the NFL. But maybe I didn't even understand how literal. Black Lives Matter was, when I'm reading about the the results and the aftermath of the verdicts, one of the things that really struck me most effectively, I don't know, most deeply, was the woman who was quoted as saying, we matter while crying. We matter. The idea that because of the color of your skin, you go through life thinking that you do not matter in this country and to your fellow citizens. And God knows when Republicans are leading America, you probably don't. But of course, this verdict, as wonderful as it was, is just a reminder of how tremendously far we have to go in order to get racial justice in this country, especially when you have almost half this country fighting back against any efforts To do so, the white supremacist caucus, the Republicans. This was the perfect storm, we are reminded, that led to this conviction. That there were videos, more than one, of the whole event. That the uproar that it caused in in Minnesota and elsewhere, in part because it piggybacked on so many other examples, caused the police to turn on one of their own, which almost never happens the fact that traumatized children testified during the trial this is not something that normally happens i went into the week i think even before the verdict i was going to have oh here's my updates to my latest person of color to be killed by the police in america but i can't i can't keep up during the week, I started out with Dante Wright is the latest to be killed by the police. And then, up. Oh, sorry, maybe not. You have been preempted by Adam Toledo, a 13-year-old Latinx. Videos show the police once again lied about that confrontation. One other remarkable thing with the, with the conviction of Chauvin was... Again, how in the beginning, we are reminded the police, their initial reaction was just to absolutely lie about what happened until the videotape caught them in the lie and had to change the story. But I couldn't even stop with Adam Toledo because before, days before, there was of course, Makia Bryant, 16 year old, who was also killed by the police at somewhat at this point, it's earlier, murkier circumstances. It is it just traumatic to think about how far we still have to go to achieve any kind of racial justice in this country. It's of course not it's not an issue for the for the Republicans in this country, of of course, who have come out and still can't really understand when killing black guys became a crime in America. But that's Republicans. Democrats, again, show the divide when the president of the United States and the attorney general of the United States, the guy who should have been on the Supreme Court, are announcing that they are starting an inquiry into how Minnesota handles its policing. One can only hope that this inquiry into how Minnesota handles its policing will morph into an inquiry of how the United States of America handles its policing because, spoiler alert, we handle it pretty shittily in favor of the police and against people of color or anybody else who happens to run afoul of perhaps criminal police officers. Attorney General Merrick Garland said when announcing that we're going to start looking into how Minnesota handles policing... Officers welcome accountability because accountability is an essential part of building trust with the community and public safety requires public trust. And I read this and I thought, he knows better, right? I mean, the guy's not an idiot, right? He doesn't really think that around America, police police unions and police officers want accountability for their fellow criminals. Now, I, I believe that he's absolutely right in many isolated cases. But Merrick Garland, can I please introduce you to Mike? Merrick, meet Mike. And by Mike, I mean Mike O'Meara, the current head of the New York Police Benevolent Association. Mike O'Meara responded to this, as the head of the New York PBA always does. So well exemplified by Patrick Lynch, who's no longer with us at the PBA. He raged, according to reports. Stop treating us like animals and thugs and start treating us with respect. And he's not talking about the black people police are murdering. He's talking about the murderers. He's talking about the police. This is the way he's responding. These are people who are welcoming accountability. Good luck with that, Merrick Garland. Good luck. Again, the divide in this country, two nations. Civilized people in this country want there to be justice, equal justice, and accountability for murderers and criminals. The police in much of this country is on the other side. Not to mention the entirety of the Republican Party at this point. At a time when people of color continue to get murdered all across America, we're still running Blue Lives Matter. As if, once again, it's it's the fucking police who are victims. Right, because that's what we're doing in America. We're teaching our little children to hate police officers. Right, that's just the way it's going in America. Maybe we should break the news about how badly the police are being treated to one of the police officers who shot Breonna Taylor dead in Louisville, Kentucky, who, as reported by Harper's Magazine, was given a book deal. Given a book deal. To talk about, I guess, what it feels like to kill a black woman. (laughs) It's probably the the feel-good book of the decade for the GOP. Anyway, um, the GOP, I think, is also starting their own inquiry. They're starting an inquiry into why people feel they have rights in America that aren't about their guns. Especially people of color. GOP wants an inquiry. Why do people in America think that they have rights that don't involve guns? I don't understand. Okay, I'm being, I'm being a little facetious here, in case you didn't notice that, but I'd like to not get facetious for a moment because this is another one of those cases where fact is fucking stranger than fiction. Because while that was a joke about the GOP starting an inquiry into people why people think they have any rights at all that don't involve guns, here are some things that are not at all hyperbolic. This is true. This is actual what the GOP has been doing in response to this verdict and to Black Lives Matter in general, ramping up their efforts over the last few weeks. One, of course, as we've reported at length in the show and will continue to report upon, they continue to pass laws all across America to stop blacks from voting. That's the way they're responding to Black Lives Matter. Apparently, black votes don't matter. Hey, people, you should be more specific. If that's your argument, you should make it, but... You know, you don't say anything about votes. So we're going to stop you from voting. Black lives, we don't think those matter either, but we sure as hell don't think black votes matter. They're passing laws to protect the police. That's right. Just look at the number of police who've been murdered by black people Oh wait. Okay, let's not look at those numbers. Let's imagine that we could make those numbers up to a high enough number where it really would be pretty scary. So while civilized people are looking at laws to actually, and and this is happening across America, to make police more accountable, to take away police shield laws, criminal shield laws, laws that allow the police to immediately converse with each other to figure out how to, to lie their way out of any kind of accountability. Republicans are going to go in the exact opposite direction. Let's make sure that the police have no accountability whatsoever in America. But most of all, what I want to talk about, what the GOP has gotten into hot and heavy is laws to criminalize protests. Yes, in case you've been living in a bubble somewhere, that's actually true. The GOP across America has been passing laws to criminalize protesting in America. Apparently, Mitch McConnell does believe in free speech, as long as it's corporations giving him money. Other than that, not so much. As reported, the measures are part of a wave of new anti-protest legislation sponsored and supported by Republicans in the 11 months since Black Lives Matter swept the country following the death of George Floyd. The Times reported, While Democrats seized on Mr. Floyd's death last May to highlight racism in policing and other forms of social injustice, Republicans responded to a summer of protests by proposing a raft of punitive new measures governing the right to lawfully assemble. GOP lawmakers in 34 states have introduced 81 anti-protest bills during the 2021 legislative session. More than twice as many proposals as in any other year. Hey, if you're going to stop these people from voting, you might as well stop them from speaking too. Let's just make them fucking invisible. Uh, So let's talk about some of that legislation. Again, I'm not making this up. You're going to think I am but I'm not GOP legislation in Oklahoma and Iowa uh, legislators rather in Oklahoma and Iowa passed bills granting immunity to drivers whose vehicles strike and injure protesters in public streets. (laughs) I guess it's, it's not stand your ground. It's drive your ground, drive them uh, into the ground laws. Is that what we're going to have? If you can't shoot them, run over them, That's the thing. Hey, if you can't shoot them, drive over them. Give immunity to driver whose vehicles. I want to point out vehicles. They have to say because let's face it, these people aren't driving cars. They're driving big pickup trucks and big SUVs with Trump bumper stickers and huge American flags from the back. Gosh, I hope they don't get blood on those flags because that would be a problem for the GOP. If you get protesters' blood on a flag, that's I think that's still illegal. In, in most of America. Um, Indiana. <laughs> so I get yeah, the other, the other way I thought to describe this is the drive over people standing their ground laws. Maybe, maybe we'll call it that. There's a couple of, of possibilities here. Drive over people standing their ground laws. Indiana proposal would bar anyone convicted of unlawful assembly. <gasps> unlawful assembly? Oh my God would bar anyone convicted of unlawful assembly from holding state employment, including elected office. Now, of course, understand what's going on here. Uh, They're they're stopping people from voting, of course. And one of the ways that Republicans and white supremacists have stopped people of color from voting is by arresting them and then taking away their voting rights after they send them to prison. Well, we're, we're making it legal to smoke weed all across America. So you can't, the, the reason we have the drug laws we have, the punitive drug laws is in large part so we could send people of color to prison and stop them from voting. But now you're getting rid of the drug laws. Republicans have to find some other way to throw black people in prison so they could take away their voting rights. Let's, they protested. Let's do that because they protested we're not going to let them run for office and pretty soon once we start once we start giving them felony convictions we're not even going to let them freaking vote gosh back to the good old days when boy george george w bush jr was president and we got to talk about all the felonies that he had committed in his lifetime and he still got to be president but of course he's white so that's a that's a non-secular let's move on um Minnesota would prohibit unlawful protesters from receiving student loans, unemployment benefits, or housing assistance. Okay, seriously, Minnesota, you have nothing better to do right now, Republicans in the Minnesota legislature. You have There's nothing going on in Minnesota that might require your attention right now. So you could be passing laws, taking away student loans, from people who have protested but crossed over that little white line? Unemployment benefits? Um here's a thought, by the way, Minnesota. One of the things that you might want to be thinking of, Republican legislators, how about taking pension benefits away from racist murderers? Have you got that one sorted out? You're gonna you're gonna take Mr. Chauvin's pension benefits away? My bet is that there's gonna be a big fight over that one. That's the way it usually is in most of the country. You could be convicted of murder, but that doesn't defeat your pension. In Florida, Governor Mini-Trump, that's Ron DeSantis, the guy who hopes that Donald Trump will not run for president in 2024 so that he can give his blessing to Minnie me Ron DeSantis in Florida, signed sweeping, sweeping legislation, toughening public disorder laws. Public disorder laws? Florida? Seriously? What we are not talking about, let's be clear, is people who refuse to wear their masks in public and therefore spread a potentially deadly disease to their fellow citizens. That's not the kind of public disorder we're talking about. I don't think we're really talking about a bunch of drunk college students either, are we, Ron? On which the Florida economy so depends. Or, for that matter, any rich Floridian Republicans whose public disorder might be taking their underage girls out into public? No, no, no. That's not what we're talking about. We're only, and, and, but we're also not talking about, of course, I'm sure, public disorder for anyone attacking the United States government. No, no, no. That, that, that kind of thing's okay. Just people who are protesting things like murder of black people. Alabama has come out to criminalize not returning a Heil Hitler salute. Can you believe this shit? Alabama, they haven't done it, but but legislators have proposed criminalizing not returning a Heil Hitler salute. Mississippi is trying to make it illegal to remove that little yellow Jewish star armband that you have to wear. Or even to clean the swastikas that were painted on your door or, or the wall of your of your establishment. Okay, I have to admit, two of these examples I have made up. Should I give you a moment to decide which two? You can put it on pause. I don't have to give you a moment. You can put Which two of these have I made up? Made up? Yes, Alabama, if you guessed Alabama, has not actually criminalized, not returning a high-level salute, you'd be correct, at least so far. If you also guess that Mississippi has not made it illegal to remove those yellow Jewish star armbands, again, you'd also be correct, at least until they get through with the whole criminalizing Islam. They're not going to worry about Jews until that point. Um, the two that harken back to the 1930s, or perhaps ahead to 2025 are the two that I made up. Yes, am I trivializing Nazism? No, I'm not. I'm warning all of my listeners that if Republicans get power back in this country, that's the direction we will continue to head in. And on that note, in our next show, I will talk more about criminal justice reform. Among those things that I've been meaning to talk about that need to be addressed in this country as long as we have part of our government who might actually be willing to try to do something on behalf of Americans. Things that won't get done, but, you know, which we need to do. Since we've been talking a lot today about the verdict in the George Floyd case, I will talk next time about criminal justice reform and whatever news needs to be addressed between now and then. Until then, stay safe, take care, and I look forward to seeing you soon been listening to Forward Nation Radio with David Leventhal.